What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Taz. And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. Friend, you know that they said that uh, Hot Girl Summer really didn't exist this year. Why is that? Because everybody's like, it's a my man, my man summer. Everybody's obsessed with their man. But listen, y'all, don't have y'all being like, oh, it's a my man summer. Turn into a, oh, it's an imprisoned summer. <laughs> or an imprisoned fall. If you're listening to this, you probably already know what I'm about to say, that today is the day for you to start your podcast. You have everything that you need, your computer, a little microphone, and Spotify for podcasters. It is the all-in-one platform where you can host, edit, and record your podcast and distribute it everywhere. Where you're listening right now, you can have your podcast there. I promise, for real. And it's free. And you can make some money off of your podcast for free. Free money. Free money is out there. Just go get it by starting your podcast today. Our players this week are Thompson Roberts, also known as Iceberg, the instigator, the boyfriend, the ancient of this story. Then we have Kiana Collins. She's 18. This is Iceberg's girlfriend number two and the victim. And then we have Stormy Kofer, Iceberg's first girlfriend and our murderess. Stormy Nicole Colfer was born in 1993 in Alexandria, Louisiana. She had a pretty hard childhood. Both her mom and dad were addicted to drugs, and she ended up being put in foster care. Her mom was even a prostitute to help pay for drugs. So one day while she's at a rehab center, maybe with her mom, I don't know. But she met a lady who worked there, and they started to develop a bond, and it turned stronger and stronger as the time went by, to where eventually the facility employee ended up becoming her mother. In 2011, when Stormy was 18, she started dental school in hopes of becoming a dental assistant to support her little growing family. At this time, she had three kids, and she's only 18, so she's just kind of looking for something where she can make a decent living and take care of her family and just, you know, hold it down. So, also around this time, she meets 28-year-old Thompson Iceberg Roberts. He was a guy from a neighborhood known as a womanizer, but that's how they like him. And he was able to manipulate Stormy and sweep her off her feet. But their relationship wasn't healthy, of course. (laughs) He's 28, she's 18. Right, right. Red Um, flag number one. (laughs) Right there in your face. It was actually pretty fucking toxic. Berg, I feel like he's an iceberg. We don't call him Berg. Berg would date other girls behind Stormy's back. And when their relationship started to progress, he would mess with the girls in front of Stormy. Like, you would think as it progressed, he would become more discreet. He just gave less of a fuck. And he would try and pit them against one another just so he could feel like, look at these bitches fighting over me. Like, I'm that nigga. I mean, he's one of them. So, that gets off on that shit. And that is, like, the theme of the story, y'all. So, in... 2013, Stormy finds out that she is pregnant. She's 20 years old at the time. And of course, she's pregnant by Iceberg's baby. And she thinks, okay, you know, I'm about to have his baby. 
things are going to be good. He's going to want to be with me for real. We're going to settle down and have this life that we really want. And so it's like, I've got my boys. All her babies are all boys. And the baby that she was having by iceberg, she ended up having the baby prematurely. And the baby had a lot of complications. And unfortunately, the baby passed away. Now, as hard as this is, Stormy's now have to plan, now has to plan a funeral. She has to get everything together as well as deal with the loss of her child. And iceberg was not there. He wasn't there at the hospital for the baby's premature birth. He wasn't there when the baby passed away. He wasn't even at the baby funeral. One of those. You know? And so Stormy was really like, this is just not okay. Like, I'm going through all this right now for this man. Like, y'all be giving y'all bodies to these men. And it's like y'all changing y'all bodies forever for these niggas. Anyways. (laughs) Stormy was just distraught. And she was like, you know what? I've had it. I don't want nothing to do with him. I can't believe he hurt me like this. I can't believe I put myself in this situation. And she tries to have a clean break from Iceberg. You know what I'm saying? She's like, fuck it. I don't want it. But he was like, no, 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 no. Why you want to be away from me? And he was like, you know, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. I'm going to find me somebody else like he does. And who? And at this time, he's 31. And who he finds is an 18-year-old named Kiana Collins. Now, Kiana, she was a girl from around the way. She was a firecracker. Like, she was known to be a leader, but she was one of those, like, rah-rah girls. You know what I'm saying? She she got a mouth on her. She got a mouth on her. She's leading the pack. She's probably, you know, the one instigating a lot of shit. She... Did have a lot of ambition. She wanted to do hair and makeup, so she really wanted to get into cosmetology. But then her behavior started changing. And her dad, if you ask her dad in the For My Man episode or her family members or the psychiatrist, you know, her mom ended up passing away a couple of years before this incident happened. And they really don't think that Kiana really got to heal from that. Like, her and her mom were super close. And as a teenager, being super close to her through mom and then her passing away is really hard. And they said after her mom passed away that she was just like... Fuck the world. You know what I'm saying? And she was going out late. She was staying out all night at these clubs, at these parties. I'm trying to figure out, like, I guess at 18, you can go to these clubs and parties. Like, she was out drinking. I guess I just wasn't partying at 18. I I guess I was in college, but, like, I didn't know about club life for real, for real, until college. I was 18, but I was in a college setting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I wasn't just like, hey, mom, I'm going to... The club. I was going to say, Lane and Bree used to go to teen clubs growing up. Yeah, teen clubs did used to be a thing. There was like a teen lounge that everybody in our high school went to, and I was mm-hmm. never allowed to go. While she was out of these clubs, she meets Iceberg. She starts dating Iceberg. And like, you know, she's 18 and he's 31, and he is showering her with gifts. He's buying her anything she wants. She's like, this is the life that I'm supposed to live. You know what I mean? Like, she is like... My man is getting me anything I want, anything I need, anything I desire. If I say I'm hungry, he asks me what I want and gives me options, okay? If I tell him I want roses, he gives me a full bouquet. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's really giving her this lifestyle that she's like, okay, this is what a man is supposed to do. Oh, but he had other plans because in his mind, he was like, bet. I'm going to use Kiana to short Stormy that she can't just be walking away from me like that. So the two ladies had their first encounter in September of 2013. They're in a gas station in a convenience store. Kiana is with Iceberg and Stormy is by herself, you know, I don't know, getting a bag of chips or something. I mean, Iceberg tells Kiana, oh, that's that bitch I was telling you about. Kiana sees Stormy, walks by her and shoulder checks her. 
<laughs> and Stormy had heard a bit about Kiana, but she ain't know what Kiana looked like. She ain't know nothing about her. And so she didn't really think anything of it. And she just went about her business. First of all, I ain't, ain't nobody finna shoulder check me. And I, I feel like she did it with some oomph. Ain't nobody finna shoulder check me and I'm gonna be like, uh, uh excuse me. No, bitch. Hello? Who are you? Excuse me. Right. Excuse you. <laughs> You're excused. Right. Something like that. But anyway, Stormy just kind of, you know, brushed it off and went about her business. Later that month, Kiana started calling Stormy's phone. And not only was she calling her phone, but she was leaving voicemails like, bitch, this is my man now. Uh, don't be calling Iceberg. She started sending Kiana text messages, like pictures of them in the bed, like, mm, sleep. You, you wish you had this. This is mine. He's mine now. Uh, fuck all that noise. You know what I'm saying? Like blowing up her phone like Stormy, give a fuck. So on October 9th of 2013, Kiana's like, you know what? We finna go up there and we finna fight Stormy. She got her and her homegirls. They riding around smoking weed in the car. And it was like, bet, there that bitch is. So they pull up to Stormy's house. Now, Stormy had already been getting all this rah-rah energy from Kiana. But when Kiana pulls up at Stormy's house, Stormy is outside. She got her kids. She got her other family members. And Stormy's like, you, you trying to fight right now? My kids is right here. We outside my family house. Like, you ain't finna be just out here. I'm not finna fight you, bitch. So we finna get it in, Stormy up there. Fuck, we finna get it in. Hey, shit, we... You hear and then that Stormy is like, I'm not going to fight you. And Kiana's friends like, she don't want to fight. She don't want to fight. We got money to make anyways. How they making their money is not documented. So I'm going to say it's their business for now. So after a whole bunch of bark and no bite at all, Kiana leaves. Stormy and Kiana shared a mutual friend and her name was Janisha Jenkins. And quite frankly, she's like, you mad and you mad and over who this nigga who don't treat either one of you right? I don't understand. Like, it's not even worth that. You cool, she cool. You honestly will probably like each other if it weren't for this nigga. You know what I mean? So I think we just need to talk, cash it out. And, you know, y'all can realize he ain't shit and get on with y'all lives. Mm -hmm. So October 20th, 2013, Janisha acts as a mediator and the three girls meet in a parking lot. I also heard, read in the court documents that it was not just Janisha. It was a nigga named Taz there. Janisha and a nigga named Taz. No relation. <laughs> was over in a parking lot and trying to mediate the situation. And it actually gets to talking pretty calmly about what's going on. And Janisha's like explaining to the girls, listen, Bird manipulated you. He instigating fights through her. And he trying to make both of y'all feel special and important. But how can you be special if she's special? Like, that's the same. Really, he just want control of y'all. And y'all giving it to him. Y'all letting this nigga win. Or what? Why? Kiana and Stormy, they listening to Janisha. They even, like, passed each other each other's phone and was like, look, Bird told me this bullshit while he was telling you this bullshit, texting us the same thing or whatever. Janisha, like, see? Told you, this nigga ain't shit. Ain't never gonna be shit. But it was like, you know what? We're gonna stop talking to Bird. We're gonna quit trying to fight each other. Truce, truce. Cool, so everything's looking good. But next day on October 21st, 
Bert finds out about this so-called truce and he's pissed. He's big mad, okay? He calls Kiana immediately and he was like, nah, Stormy on that shit. Everything she told you was lies and fake. I seen Stormy just today talking shit about you. So you got this so-called truce or whatever. That shit don't mean shit. Like, you know, we still fuck Stormy over here. You with me, babe? He's like, yeah, nigga, I'm with you. You know I'm with you. This is a lie, but Kiana love this man. She gonna believe him over her who is Stormy. You know what I mean? Later that day, Kiana and Stormy are driving down the same road. Like, Stormy see Kiana, Kiana see Stormy. They driving. Next thing you know, they lock eyes. They making contact. And Kiana start driving head on towards Stormy's room with the gas. They call it playing chicken, but nigga, I'm going to be chicken every time. Don't come at me like that. She she um accelerating, going at her. Stormy had to swerve off the road to not get hit. And then Kiana is just going to keep driving like she ain't do shit. Don't turn around. Don't do nothing. Don't circle back. Just, just fucking with her, you know? Y'all playing with y'all vehicles like that? Like, Stormy was already driving like an old school ass Lincoln. Listen, insurance rates about to go up. It's making my head hurt. Like, come on, y'all. You playing, you playing in your, y'all playing too much. Listen, this is how you know they under the age of 25. So Stormy over there looking confused. She's like, now didn't me and this nigga just make a truce? So why the fuck she trying to run me off the road? That don't make sense. Guess that truce was bullshit. Guess it's back to on-site. So Stormy drives home, pissed as hell. She calls Janice and she was like, you talking about, oh, oh, this girl's true. We gonna talk it out. That bitch is trying to run me off the road. Are you kidding me? And now Janisha confused with Stormy. Like, we just had such a good talk. We was team fuck that nigga. What happened? Stormy like, my fucking kids could have been in a car. She could have killed my children. You could fuck around with me. You don't play with my kids, okay? So now it's at a whole nother level, right? So Stormy gets in the car and she goes to go fight Kiana. Right. So Stormy texts Kiana. I was like, you want to fight? Let's fight. Like, if this is what you want to do, then let's do it. And I know you got to be at a fed up point if you're just like, you know what? Three o'clock. Meet me outside. It's been all of this. Like, at this point, it's time to fight, right? right. And so, so when Stormy and Kiana get ready to fight, both of the girls have a group of friends with them, and they meet at a parking lot, and immediately the girls, they start, you know, throwing blows, right? At first, Kiana had the upper hand, you know, was getting Stormy ass. And then Stormy got the upper hand on Kiana, started beating her ass down. When Kiana was on the ground, Stormy ran back to her car, and she got a bat, like, and she pulled out a baseball bat. So while she was running from the car. She had the baseball bat and she was running to Kiana. Jarnish was like, hold on. This is a no weapons fight. Like, you know, grabbed Stormy was like, we ain't finna hit nobody with no bats. Fighting is fighting, you know. She kind of broke up the fight. Now, Kiana was mad, of course, because she had lost this fight. But also, like, you lost this fight in front of your friends. You know what I'm saying? So later that night, Stormy had class because, like we said earlier, she's in school to be a dental assistant. And she was kind of nervous. She was like, listen, I'm probably going to run into Kiana. I'll run to her and her, her and them bitches she likes to hang out with. So, Jarnisha, why don't you ride with me? And Wesley, can you drive us? And Wesley, y'all, is Stormy's whole new boyfriend. Like A whole new nigga. She got a whole new nigga and still being harassed by her old nigga. Ooh. So, Wesley's driving. Stormy's in the passenger seat. And Jarnisha is in the backseat. They're all like, you know, we'll take you to class, you know, make sure that you're straight, make sure you got peace of mind. And so while the three were in the car, they turned into a corner and saw Kiana with her girls. And Kiana says, there go that bitch Stormy. I don't know anybody that I can recognize by car. I'm not gonna, you, because there's a discolor in your car that I can find. You didn't but, have to call me out on the airway. Uh, <laughs> 
and that dent in the back. But <laughs> still ride like a champ. Kiana goes, there go that bitch Stormy. There are three different versions of what happens next. But what we do know is that they ended up, the car ended up stopping. Kiana ended up on the driver's side of the car while Stormy was on the passenger side. They get to arguing, they get to arguing, and then Stormy pulls a gun from underneath the seats. The the gun belongs to Wesley and her boyfriend. She guess she knew where the gun was. In an attempt to get the girls to move away from the car... Stormy starts waving a gun around, waving a gun around, and all of a sudden, a shot rang out. One single bullet hit Kiana. Wesley speeds off. After he speeds off, he kind of stops. He tells Stormy and Johnny should get the fuck out of his car. They do. Kiana was left lying on the street. 911 was called, and her friends, of course, were right there. Um, Kiana was rushed to the hospital, but she ended up dying due to her injuries. So cops show up to the corner where the shooting happened, and immediately they're asking questions. What the hell's happened here? The neighborhood was closed, so Kiana's parents actually showed up to the scene of crime after hearing about it through word of mouth. Now, after asking around, the police were told that this girl named Stormy Cofer drove up, shot Kiana, and drove off. They said Kiana didn't do anything to deserve it. And Stormy just did it because she wanted to. Cops are like, okay, sounds a little wild, but we got a suspect. Let's check it out. So they go to Stormy's house to question her, but she's nowhere to be found. The house looked like somebody had left it in a hurry. And they start trying to, you know, figure out who her friends are and track them down. They talk to one of her friends and they realize, you know, Stormy had three sons and they're like, okay, at least she's got ties here. She ain't she ain't about to leave. And the friend was like, no, Stormy's a good mom. She'll be back for her sons. Like, she, she, this is not the last we've seen of her, you know? While looking for Stormy, the police get a call from a hospital. And unfortunately, Kiana did not make it and she passed. Now we're looking at a homicide case. Kiana's parents were not allowed to see their daughter's body because it was now considered evidence. The autopsy reported that the single bullet entered Kiana's body, passed between her sixth and seventh rib, through her left lung, through her heart, then down through her right lung. It then fractured her ribs as it exited her chest and then entered her right arm. And that's where they recovered the bullet, which is a whole lot going in there. But, you know, just as it's moving through the body, you know it's tearing shit up. So police, they were like, okay, we really need to solve this. We have an 18-year-old girl dead. The only suspect that we have is missing. And they asked Stormy's friends. So they're look, talking around to Stormy's friends and Jarnisha comes and they speak to Jarnisha. Little did they know Jarnisha was in the car the entire time. And so the police were talking to the right person and Jarnisha's like, Listen, y'all got it all wrong. It is very clear that Stormy shot Kiana in self-defense. Police are like, what you mean self-defense? Everybody so far has been telling us that Stormy is the aggressor, that she's the one, of course, that pulled the trigger. And she's like, yeah, she pulled the trigger, but it was in self-defense. Like, she ends up telling the cops everything about the drama between the two girls. And the police are like, so you're trying to tell us that the one that is dead was the one that was the aggressor. Okay. Jernisha's like, yes, that is exactly what I'm trying to tell you. She tells them everything that we told you guys earlier about the relationship between Iceberg and Stormy and the baby, about the relationship between Iceberg and Kiana and how, like, it really seemed that Iceberg was just getting off on pinning the two against each other and would not just leave Stormy alone because Stormy had said multiple times to her that she don't want this nigga. And somehow he keeps getting this bitch to be all up in her, her phone. Like, now Jarnisha, of course, she was in the car and she said that they came up on the car. They started banging on the car, yelling, talking shit. 
um, Kiana was trying to get Stormy to get out of the car. She was even like pulling at the handlebars of the car, like get out the car, bitch. Like, like you know, see about me. Very on site, like see about me. And so when that happened, when Kiana was trying to get into the car, Stormy, that is when she pulled out the gun and she started waving around, basically saying, "Y'all need to back up. Y'all need to back up." And after the gun went off, like everybody in the car was stunned. They had no idea that A, Stormy had absolutely no intention of shooting the gun in the first place. And the fact that it went off and then hit her was scary enough. Yeah, like that escalated quickly. We were just out, supposed to be throwing hands. and Right, right. And so the police are like, okay, so we've talked to, we still can't find Stormy. We've talked to Jarnisha. The only other person that was in that car was Wesley. Let's go find him. So cops talk to Wesley, and he's actually very helpful, and he tells the exact same story that Jarnisha tells, right? And he even said that Kiana and her grooms had blocked the car so badly that there was no way he could get past them. It was like, it's not like I could just drive off. They've got us trapped. We can't do shit, you know? I would have so, ran them over. Do <laughs> you looking? Now he holding the charge instead of uh, fucking Stormy. So he was like, but his main point of the story was it wasn't premeditated, like, they're instigating, they won't let her be, and she she just acted, you know? At this point, the cops don't know what to believe. They still have not talked to Stormy. So from October 21st to October 23rd, Stormy was on the run without her kids, but of course, this wasn't going to last long. So on the 23rd, she calls her friend Kayla, and that's who was taking care of the kids, and she tells her that she's got herself a defense attorney, and she's going to turn herself in in the morning. But somebody spotted her, turned her in. So she wasn't able to turn herself in. She just got caught as a fugitive and was arrested on October 23rd, 2012, just two days after Kiana had died. She was taken to Rapides County Jail while she waited for arraignment. And when arraigned, she was charged with second-degree murder and assault with specific intent to kill. While Stormy was waiting for her trial to begin, she was harassed and sexually assaulted on several separate occasions by by the Rapides Parish Sheriff, William Earl Hilton, Deputy John William Benjamin, Deputy Donald Amici Weston, and Deputy Donald Brown. On three separate occasions that were documented, so you know it probably was more, they forced her to participate in inappropriate sexual conduct, including but not limited to, this is the court documents, including but not limited to groping, kissing, fondling, vaginal penetration with fingers, forcing her to perform oral sex, and then threatened to put her in solitary confinement if she told anyone. Like, damn. Right. First of all, first of all, you're doing wrong. And if I say something, I'm going to go in a hole. And that's the problem with being in jail. Like, you don't have rights. Right. But you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, right? And she's not even with the trial yet. Exactly. You can definitely tell that they were just like, they looked at her case and they were like, nah, she ain't getting out. So this this scandal that we're about to do won't get out. But mm, that was very dumb of you. Um, the only way that we or anybody else know about this is because she ended up filing a civil suit against these men and she named them in that civil suit. And she also said that they failed to keep her safe. By doing that, they violated her fourth, her eighth, and her 14th Amendment rights. You know, Fourth Amendment is, um, protects against unreasonable search and seizures, which is probably the groping. Mm-hmm. Eighth Amendment is, um, no excessive bail, but also, um, no cruel or unusual 
usual punishment, which is we're going to rape you and molest you. And if you tell, we're putting you in solitary. And and 14th Amendment um, saying that everybody has equal protection under the laws, which, like we just said, you in jail, you're a second class citizen. You don't have the same rights. Right. Even though you weren't tried yet. Right. So she sued them for physical pain and suffering, emotional distress, and mental anxiety and humiliation. If that wasn't enough, she was pregnant by one of the guards. They found out that she was pregnant in December of 2014, and Stormy said that she had not had any consensual sex since 2013. And I just think that's crazy. Like (laughs) I smell a problem. But Louisiana, like, we've seen so many times, Louisiana is corrupt as fuck, as fuck. And the fact that it was so many of them, and then in these high positions, deputy, deputy, sheriff, deputy, like, get out of here. They don't care. They don't give a fuck. But it's like, usually you see it, like, with the CEOs, but, like, you got, what, the niggas in charge just passing her around? That's crazy. So, with all this happening, she's pregnant, she's in jail, now, even while she is very much showing, she's getting ready to go to trial. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial. So, a pregnant Stormy shows up to trial on September 16, 2015, almost two years after the shooting. And she is like nine months pregnant, y'all. She's like, pregnant, pregnant. Is ready to deliver. Before the trial began, the prosecutors offered her a manslaughter charge, but the defense did not want to admit to any purposeful killing on Keanu's behalf. So they denied the deal. They're like, you know, we're going to take this to trial. It's obviously self-defense. She was obviously antagonized. The prosecutors wanted the jury to know that Stormy shot Keanu after multiple fights, and one of the fights included Stormy grabbing a bat to attack her with. They said Stormy's life was going to be easier if Keanu was dead. Like, Keanu was just a problem, like a, a fly in her ear. And yes, she was annoying, but did that mean she needed to die? The defense says it's self-defense because Stormy, Wesley, and Jarnisha, who were in the car, were in immediate danger and did not have a way out. They decided to have her testify to sway the jury. And again, she's nine months pregnant, so they was like, that'll help you look innocent, right? Like, look at you, a victim again, you know? So Stormy takes the stand and she says that she only picked the gun up to scare Kiana because she thought she saw a bulge and that could have been a gun in her pants. She was like, I knew Berg had a gun, so he could have gave it to Kiana and they could have been trying to kill me, you know? I mean, the way that shit was escalating, I feel like that's a, that would have been my thought process as well, you know? She's just like, it don't, it didn't really feel far stretched to me. I truly felt like my life was in danger. She's like, while she's on the stand, she says picking up the gun was a mistake. And she even apologizes to Kiana's dad and family while she's on the stand. I heard that some of Kiana's family walked out. Yeah, like, some people ain't ready for the apology when it comes. Kiana's dad was. Yeah, Kiana's dad obviously upset that his baby girl's gone. But he said he forgave Stormy. Yeah. And he was like, young people make mistakes. And I think the way he saw it was they both made mistakes, you know? They they both contributed to where they both are at now, you know, and all it is is an unfortunate situation. But although Kiana's dad forgave Stormy, most of the jury did not. And apparently Louisiana is one of two states in the 50-50 that allows a split jury decision or against the other. So after being hung twice, 10 jurors agreed 
on September 18, 2015, and convicted her of second-degree murder and assault with specific intent to kill. The verdict was read, and she was devastated, like, that kid's... As if that's not bad enough in Louisiana, when you're convicted of second-degree murder, it comes with a mandatory life sentence. So at this point, Stormy's like, what the fuck? Like, a mandatory life sentence? I want to be in here forever. I don't get to see my kids. But this also means that she does not get parole, she does not get probation, and she's not eligible for a suspended sentence. So she's just in there. She She's locked in. Neither Kiana's family nor Stormy's family were happy with the outcome. They both believed that Berg was really the whole cause of this situation. And he didn't have to pay for any of this. Like, Stormy's family loses her to the prison system. Kiana's family loses her to a gun. And the whole reason and the whole catalyst to the situation is fucking Iceberg. He ain't even involved in none of this shit. He's got fucking free. He's playing these mind games and he's getting in her head. And then once he gets as far, he's like, well, I ain't tell her to do that. I ain't say we was together together. Right? Just all this bullshit, you know, just... You, how insecure do you have to be to be a 31-year-old man, A, dealing with 18, 18, 20-year-olds, and then B, you can't leave one of them alone so much that you have the other one knocking at her door damn near. Do you remember, like, when we first went to college and then we started finding out niggas were still dating girls in high school? We were like, mm. And we were just, like, two, three years older than them. It was like, nigga, you don't went to school? You Like, you don't went to college and then went back to that high school to pick them? Really? And so then and you're just, 30? It's just crazy, now. the stuff that some girls would do behind a nigga, like, or, like, some stuff that a nigga would influence you to do behind him. And it it, it, it just, it's just wild to me. I am so grateful that nobody has ever tried to come to me woman to woman. Like, <laughs> I so today, Stormy is 29. Wow, she's our age. Imagine being in prison right now, though, friend. And for the rest like, of your life. Whew, I'm just, right now, I'm just like, when will my life begin? And then it's like, no, it won't begin right, at all. I'm really, like, I'm really trying to kick this thing off, so. <laughs> um, she's appealed, of course, and has petitions saying that her trial attorney hid plea agreements, was saying that her trial attorney was doing this because he was trying to further his career. Uh, there's a really hard proof of that, but Stormy, you know, claims that. There's also no news about her baby, like, when she had the baby, where the baby is, I'm assuming with relatives of hers. Because they wouldn't give the baby to the rapist, would they? I'd hope not. Or in right. foster care or something. And since she has most programs, like if they do allow babies to be in prison, like you have to be a nonviolent offender to keep your baby in those programs. And I don't know, though. Does being a rapist take away your rights you, as a father? I don't know. That would have to be a very... Interesting. Yeah. Dynamic. Whew. Scary. I mean, the standard, the protocol is that the mother has about 24 hours with the baby after the baby's born. And then the baby is either placed with relatives or gone right, or the baby goes right into foster care. And the mothers go right back to prison, tearing it all. As for her rapist, um, not sure about the the former deputies, John William Benjamin and Donald Weston, were charged with malfeasance. 
and with uh, sexual offenses. And Donald Weston pleaded guilty in April of 2015, while John William Benjamin pleaded guilty in May of 2015. They did not go to jail. They just received three years probation and nothing happened to the sheriff, William Earl Hilton or Deputy Donald Brown. Now, I think what it was was she was blaming the sheriff, Sheriff Hilton and Donald Brown, because they were the ones that were putting these in place. So she was like, hey, y'all are in charge. Your your subordinates are doing this to me. And she got no protection. And she got no protection from them while deputies John Benjamin and Donald Weston were doing this over and over. So that's what's happening now. And there are lots of petitions out there because it really is still split down the middle. The police said that during an investigation, but it is even to this day that the viewpoints are really split down the middle. You're either Team Stormy or you're Team Kiana. And I think this is just a really, really sad and tough case to get through. All right, y'all. It is time for... Well, I'm not black. I'm OJ. I ain't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have got away with it. Um, I ain't do it, but if I did, I would have laid low. I think she did right by, you know, after she got out of the car, she immediately was like, okay, I need to find a defense attorney now. But you needed to stay low just long enough so that you could turn yourself in instead of being Because I think it changes up. the whole thing. Right. It always looks better when you turn yourself in. And I do think that she did right by trying to secure a lawyer before she turned herself mm-hmm. in. But, like, as soon as she secured that lawyer, go go ahead and go straight to police station. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I bet, you know, you got to turn yourself in. I want to stretch it one more day and get a nice good night's sleep before, too. Shit. Right. Make sure you have the last she, time. <laughs> it was the last time. You got to oh. make sure your kids are straight and everything. Exactly. I didn't do it, but if I did, if you're going to do a self defense plea, you're going to have to have some documented build up. And it can't be we always got into it and was fighting each other. Right. Regardless of who instigated, if you participate back. And see, this is. It's hard, but this is why niggas have to rise above. Because if you don't, then you you don't got no say-so on the matter. You look just as guilty as the nigga who instigated because you kept going. I'm going to start it, or you started it, but I'm going to finish. It's not going to work on your self-defense plea. Especially you're in the car. She did not pull a gun out, and you can't say for sure if there was a gun. And I'm sure when I looked at her body after. But I, I think when you you don't have that... You can't think surely when you're scared. And, and when that's you're why on... you shouldn't be picking up a gun. Right. And waving it around and talking shit. If you can't think straight. Exactly. I didn't do it, but if I did, I definitely wouldn't have started pulling. Do not touch other people's weapons. Do not touch other people's weapons. Everybody here, do not touch other people's weapons. Get your own. Learn how to properly use it. Have the emotional intelligence that you know how to use it correctly. Do not touch other people's weapons. And for that nigga, he should have had the safety on. But, you know, niggas don't like to have their safety on unless it's actually, like, holstered on them, which is stupid because you, the safety is a flick of your thumb. You should always have your safety on. You know that you're in a car with two people that know where your uh, weapon is and you know that aren't trained to use it. I'm sure she was flat waving that gun around with her finger on the trigger because she wasn't trained enough to know to not have your finger on the trigger, to you know have your finger on the side when you're not actually about to shoot. Because she did not have any formal gun training. Yeah. You do that thing the right way, and that's what it's going to do. <laughs> like, 
you can't just, it's not a toy. And that trigger is is pretty sensitive. That's why there's a safety. You can't be, do not touch other people's sweats. I mean, like, even like this nigga, I don't even be wanting to move his, move his gut. I'd be like, can you please go put it up? I didn't do it, but if I did, if he was already winning the fight, the fist fight, I wouldn't have got a baseball bat. And I do understand that a lot of people have baseball bats in their home as a defense item. I know quite a few people that have baseball bats in their car. I probably would have only got the baseball bat if I was losing. Right. But the fact that you were winning the fight and then decided to take it to another level, again, it's putting a bad look on you. So when you get to this point where you're ready to claim self-defense, it's like, girl, you couldn't get enough. That's what it's right. screaming. And then I did see that somebody said that um, Kiana was hitting on Stormy's car almost like she was trying to bust the windows out. And maybe that's why she was getting the bat, but... With her hands? That girl ain't busting no windows with her goddamn hands. Hey, listen, I have been in a car where a bitch tried to bust down the windows, and they definitely tried, but you didn't. <laughs> no, You're not busting down no car window with your hand. And that's another thing. Listen, if we is, having a fist fight, that's the only ride she got be to take a her baby daycare. Fist fight. You want to prove you a man? Please. Prove you a man. What do you say? This don't prove you a man. But yeah, yeah, I do think that it seemed like I ain't gonna lie. It seemed like both of them knew how to fight. So it probably was like a good fight. Let that fight be that. And I think Kiana, because again, you with that rah-rah mentality, you got all your friends around you and they just saw you lose. Like now you got to really knuckle up on this girl, right? And even with Stormy, I'm pretty sure, even if she did when it's like, oh damn, I done beat this bitch ass and she clearly not letting down. She clearly can't let a fight be a fight. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That is definitely the ni- difference between niggas and bitches. Like, <laughs> niggas will fight and then go play 2K. Right. I don't know any, myself included, I don't know any women that'll do that. I just feel like if I'm gonna get that worked up, it's gonna be over something way more important than a nigga. Got to be. Because at this point, I'm like, why are you embarrassing me? This bitch don't owe me shit. When I bumped her in the store, she didn't even know who I was or why I did it. But you, my guy. <laughs> You are responsible for my feelings and how you treat me. Right. I would have hit that block button real quick. It is so easy to hit a block button. Uh, I, at the but time, is they didn't it easy have... to leave it on block? <laughs> That's where they struggle. True. Because I have one friend, her boo so damn toxic. And every time I talk to her, I'd be like, y'all blocked or unblocked? Which one is it? <laughs> Even last week, she was like, I sent her an email. And I was like, you so toxic. You so toxic, right? But, like, keep that shit blocked. Like, and you already in a town that's small enough that you're seeing each other on the street just randomly when you're not trying to see the person. Block that bitch and keep it fucking pushing. I feel like they sh- at the end of their conversation, they should have had some type of, like, if you hear X, Y, and Z... Come then, to me first, but you know, also you eighteen twenty. Thought. You that eighteen was, twenty. Ain't nobody trying to have that. Those mm-hmm. they don't have take the, the forethought. And first of yeah. all, who thinks if I go and be like, you know, it's probably Kiana probably went back to her. Um, Kiana probably went back to Berg and was just like, you know, I decided to chill out on Stormy. We we figured it wasn't really worth it. That's some seen some shit about you, nigga. And he was probably like, baby, you know she tripping. Matter of fact, I just seen her talking and she was like, ain't that some shit? You know, right back in it. So it, he knew what he was doing. 
And I just really feel like he should have been charged in this case because you instigated this shit. You, it, it, granted, he was dating adults. They were 18. We started dating Kiana. She was 18 years old. Started dating Stormy when she was 19. At the time of this story, Stormy was 21. But like, he knew what he was doing by dating these young ass girls. How insecure and little of a human being do you have to be? You know what I'm saying? Like, you it should really he, be like he gets off like nothing happens. There should be a predators act where like you know how like you have like somebody can get charged with a hate crime and it intensifies that shit. Mm-hmm. If you act in a predatory way, like feeding on young girls, it should be intensified in another way because you knew what you were doing and you playing puppet master from the outside to keep yourself unscathed. It's got to be a way to be like, got you too, nigga. But can you do that when all of them were technically adults? Like if they were in high school fighting in high school, you know what I'm saying? If they were 17 and younger, then I think you could be able to put that in. But since they were adults, in the eyes of the law, they were adults. I don't think that that, you can do that. Like, there's no way to prove it. This is not a real thing, but like, in this hypothetical predatory act, I think it would be like different ways you look at it. Like, what's the age difference? What's the position of power? If your boss did this to you, you be an adult or not, that's a predator preying on you. You know what I'm saying? With the, you know, your stepdad or whatever, whatever age you are, even your parent, and they're sitting there praying on you like that, that's a predator, you know? So I think it's just looking at it situationally, but the law has hard times doing that sometimes. It it can be real rigid sometimes. It can, but it's always rigid to protect (sighs) The ones who don't need the most protection. Like, I understand in some instances they need protection, who, men? No, just like in ways <laughs> that laws... Win. No, just in ways laws are set up. Like, there's a reason it was like that, but that it seems so few we hear the reasons it was made for. You know what I mean? Like, yes, sometimes men are falsely accused for rape. Yes. And so you would want to have a burden of proof to protect them or a certain statute of limitations so the next bitch can't just be like, oopie, raped me because I'm mad that he wouldn't go and take me back or whatever. But the overwhelming majority is that he actually raped them. But they're meant to, the, these laws are in place to protect the solid few instead of the majority. And you know why? Because it's not made to protect those solid few either. It's made to protect the will the rich and the wealthy. They got the money to hire a right lawyer to bamboozle their way out of it. Money can buy happiness. It may not be able to buy happiness, but it sure as hell can buy freedom. And a lot of things that make you happy. Yes. Okay, uh, parole or no parole? I'd like to parole her. Yeah, I she doesn't necessarily have that, that chance, but... Right. She's still, I think she's still in the appeals process and there's so many um, petitions, but I definitely think that this is worthy of parole. I, I'm going to go back to OJ. I think I would have took that manslaughter charge just because there was weight, but there's this video and I mean, you guys heard it earlier and you can find it on YouTube. There's a video that is like Stormy in the video saying... I don't want to fight you. However, there's text messages from that day saying, all right, you want to fight? Let's fight. 
I think I would have probably taken the manslaughter charge. But you know what? It's a heavy decision to make. You know what I mean? Because it is, but you gambling with never seeing your kids again. You're gambling either your life in prison or take this manslaughter charge and you're probably going to have a hard time finding a job, but at least you'll get out and see your kids. And that's a hard juggle. But if if I saw how there were two hung juries before we got this conviction, y'all. Like, and you know why? And, and I think when that's you see why, the hung juries she... and and see what which way they were swaying, I definitely would have been like, you know what? Give me manslaughter. Like, I mean, let me do this quick ten and be out. Take it then. No, one. It's a hung jury. You got to start all the way over. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean the the offer is still on the table. It doesn't. But I'm we're working under the assumption that it is because. It's easier on the prosecution if she takes it. It's easier on everybody if she takes it. I've not, no cases coming to my mind right now where they recanted their uh, plea bargain. No, but I think I think I can't name it, but I I know some, and it usually happens in cases where they feel like they're going to win. And so if they went through it and it, they had the overwhelming majority, I absolutely believe that they would have said, offers off the table, I think we can win this. But even still, at 21, and the last thing you was doing was trying to become a dental assistant so you could raise your three kids. Like, the jobs that you're going to get who don't care about a manslaughter charge is not living comfortably with three kids. You know what I mean? Like... It's stressful, and she has to think. She's 21. She's got to think about the rest of her fucking life. And so I guess she felt like she was doing the best thing for herself. It's just so crazy how you have to gamble with it. And then you have to have that burden of proof to be like... And and, and that's why you got to make a record of everything. Because if you're going to go out there and put a self-defense charge, you better fucking prove it. And there were just way too many people. There were way too many people, way too many eyewitnesses that were split. You know what I'm saying? I definitely would have taken the manslaughter charge. Like, Mm -hmm. way too many eyewitnesses that even if even if they were lying, there was too many of them telling the same lie. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, back on subject, I would definitely uh, parole her. I definitely think I'm. It's still. I still give her time. At least let her see 10 years. She hasn't hit the 10-year mark yet. But I definitely let her see 10 years before um, considering her for parole. It's just crazy. Like, I can't imagine right now sitting in a jail cell thinking, I'm going to be here for the rest of my life. Like, and then where's that encouragement? I'm just thinking about for me, like, and knowing that, like, I personally can get into a dark place. Like, where's that encouragement to want to be better? To want I guess to her go kids and read a still book. on the outside and can still visit her, and she got to stay strong for them. I guess, but like, that's still hard. Like, you gotta mm-hmm. one of her babies. She ain't never seen outside of prison. Mm-hmm. Never. Like, that's a jailhouse baby, and ain't never gonna see you. Oh, it's time for some reviews. Streaming October 6th on Paramount Plus. First place I learned about death was a pet cemetery. Dead things buried in that land would come back. There's something else. Something's wrong with Timmy. He needs time to adjust. That's not Timmy. 
something is talking to him. Sometimes dead is better. Pet Cemetery, Bloodline, Rated R, streaming only on Paramount Plus. You can give us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts as well as on Audible. So if you are listening to us and you really like us, go ahead and give us a five-star review and say something nice. If you don't like this show and you've made it this far, just keep your feelings to yourself. This one's from Mama729. says, Mind blown. I was just introduced to this podcast by a very close friend. I was screaming for something to listen to while I worked my second job. They listened to the same genre, but the people were monotone without any of the fun interactions. It is with great sadness that I say I'm all caught up. So now, like the rest of the world, I have to impatiently wait for the next episode. I roll emoji. This has been a truly enjoyable experience, and thank you for all that you do. Fun fact, I work in a predominantly Caucasian place at my second job, and they love your podcast as well. Listening with them has sparked many conversations, and normally the conversation has nothing to do with the case but the added commentary. Education at its finest. Thank you, thank you. Welcome to our TED Talk. Thank you. Shout out to the white folks that are here. <laughs> this one is from an anonymous user and it comes from Audible. It says, everyone says so. Y'all really have done it. I haven't listened to anything else since I discovered this podcast. I even re-listened to some episodes. This is the thing I didn't know I needed. Hmm. Y'all be re-listening to us. I promise you. I'll be like, whew. After I listened to this episode like two, three times. We've had enough. Getting it out. I'm, whew, I'm done. Thank you. Sometimes I can't even listen to it once. I'd be cringing. All right, y'all. That's the end of the show. If you liked us and you want to re- leave a review, please do so. If you have your own, I didn't do it. But if I did, this is how I would have got away with it. You can go to audible.fm and leave us a voice message and you might hear yours aloud on the show. Here are a couple that y'all have sent in already. Hi, my name is Kehlani. I love the show. Thank you so much for feeding the inner true crimes junkie within me. But I just finished listening to the Brittany Norwood episode and just wanted to say that this is how I would have gone away with it. So we already know Brittany was dumb. That was already a given. How I would have gone away with it, I would have staged the murder, I mean the robbery, but would have staged it properly by putting the footprints at the front of the store. Secondly, I would have left her car there. I would have taken the money that was in the safe and in the register, and I'm hopping on the nearest bus and going back to Seattle. Yes, they might have caught me or may have figured it out. Oh, and I would have taken her phone because, you know, the messages. <laughs> and just thrown it somewhere. But, yeah, they would have caught me or whatever. But by that time, my name would have already been changed, and I am in South America somewhere. So that's how I would have gotten away with it. Thanks, you guys. Love you guys. Have a good one. Bye. If you would like to connect with us, you can tweet us at Sisters Who Kill. You can follow us on Instagram at Sisters Who Kill Pod. You can follow us on TikTok at Sisters Who Kill Podcast. And you can join the discussion group if you answer the questions to get in. Anything else, friend? Talk to us, we talk back. <laughs>